3: When there are an infinite amount of female struggles, you decide to do a podcast about them. Hello, I'm Emma Jo, Real Davis, and in each episode of this podcast, I take a subject by the horns and rip it to shreds. This is the podcast that isn't afraid to talk about any struggle you've had as a woman, from struggling with your body image...
4: You do get some people commenting, saying, like, you look like a man and women shouldn't look like this. And actually, I love it when I've got six-pack.
3: ...to wondering whether marriage is the right thing for you. To say that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life until my last breath, that just seems like a really stupid thing to say. To so even having a cervical smear test. I need to yeah. take my trousers and my knickers off. Yeah. Ooh. Let me know if it hurts. Oh, blimey. That wasn't the end of the world. And that's it. Oh. oh my gosh, is that it? I'm in shock at how easy it was. This is The Female Struggle Is Real. Yes, you're listening to The Female Struggle is Real. Hello, I'm Emma Jo, Real Davis, and welcome to another episode. Now, in this frantic world of Twitter and social media generally, and blogging and vlogging and YouTube and screens left, right and centre, it can be pretty stressful. So I thought it would be important to do a podcast all about having some time offline. I don't think it's inaccurate to say that every single person that uses social media or the internet um, in some way or another every single day finds that it can be pretty overwhelming. Even if you kind of don't even realise that you find it overwhelming, um, it consumes so much of our daily lives now that we don't even realise how much time we dedicate to scrolling through Instagram or um, checking our emails when we're not at work and that sort of thing. It dawned on me recently how important it is to kind of have a complete and utter break from this. You know, in some way or another, whether you want to kind of cut out internet for a week or a month or, you know, just have some time off Facebook if you're doing your exams. However you choose to do it, I think it's really, really important to have a little bit of a break from the internet, kind of spend some time outside with your friends and family where you're not just glued to your phone 24-7. I I decided to do this myself recently um, because I was getting to a point where I realised I was absolutely prioritising uh, you know the internet and Instagram and posting on Twitter and basically trying to promote you know this podcast and other stuff all the time instead of spending time with my friends and family and I just realised that my priorities were completely and utterly wrong uh, it shouldn't be that way around at all and that I needed to have some time offline, gain a bit of perspective and then come back to it sort of after a bit of a break. So i decided Decided to head off to the Isle of Wight. I thought, you know, where can I sort of just chill by the sea, um, you know, in the countryside, in the middle of nowhere with no phone signal? The Isle of Wight. Um, So, me and my boyfriend went glamping um, at this absolutely beautiful place called Glamping the Whites Way and had a full 24 hours offline while i was there i managed to catch up with sarah who is the owner of glamping the white way and we chatted about why it was so important to make sure you do have a little bit of time offline
2: you suddenly engage again with wildlife and the pheasants and the natural beauty and the sounds you know you don't notice that so much when you're online switching yourself off you're kind of reconnecting with the real world it's nurturing you know and also reminds you what the real world is all about
3: You'll hear my full experience at glamping the white way and my 24 hours offline a little bit later on in the podcast. I actually feel a little bit pathetic because I thought 24 hours was like a good amount of time, like I've never really done a detox before. So I thought, you know, i will do it for a whole sort of day and night and the next day, if that makes sense, um, and kind of see how I get on. But then I spoke to this woman called Susan. Now, Susan is an author and a journalist living in Perth, in Australia, originally from New York. Um, and she is an absolute legend because she basically took the whole digital detox thing to a whole nother level.
1: It wasn't until I actually, like, flipped the switch that turned off all the electricity in our house that they realized that I was 100% serious. And I started collecting up all our devices, including my own. My son helped me round up the televisions and in a wheelbarrow and take them off to the shed. And then they knew that it was on for young and old.
3: Honestly, you think 24 hours is bad, you need to hear about Susan's digital detox. My word it is an incredible story. But first of all, I want to speak to someone who is sort of permanently online. Obviously, some people out there have jobs in which they have to be, you know, 24 hours a day, um, seven days a week, completely and utterly available online, or at least, you know, appearing to have a constant online presence. I'm sure like a lot of you, I follow um, hundreds of different sort of bloggers and vloggers and YouTubers and stuff on Instagram, who are always posting these absolutely Beautiful pictures um, in incredible outfits. You know, the skin always looks flawless. It's completely and utterly beautiful. But you have to think, although it looks like they've casually just sort of taken a candid snap sort of walking down the street with a latte, there is a lot of effort and hard work that goes into that. And there must be an incredible amount of pressure for these bloggers and vloggers, you know, these huge ones I'm talking about, to constantly be creating. I'm very lucky to have a fashion blogger called Alice Catherine, who you probably follow on Instagram on the podcast. Hello, vase How are you? Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So, Alice, I guess we should start kind of right at the beginning. I know it's like the most obvious question, but how did you kind of become like a full-time blogger?
4: Oh, such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I guess it, I'm one of those annoying people where I have to say it kind of happened by accident, um, which I hate saying because I know that a lot of people kind of want... A more in-depth answer. Um, but I really just kind of, it, my following kind of snowballed on Instagram um, over the space of a couple of years. It happened quite fast. Um, and then on the back of that, I kind of built my blog. And my blog is actually only two years old. Um I remember starting it on my birthday mainly because I wanted a place where I could write about my outfits in more depth and show more of my personality Um, because I think it's sometimes difficult to do that on Instagram. So my blog was my place where I kind of like to connect with people. Um, And then I had a fast fashion job. I was working um, for a fast fashion company um, and I absolutely hated it. (laughs) So I'd go home every evening and work on my blog and then I'd be working. um, I'd be doing emails and blog posts all weekend. I'd be working up until... 12, 12 o'clock every night when I got home. Um, so it wasn't an ideal situation, but it kind of got to that kind of tipping point, which um, a lot of people have kind of said to me as well, that who freelance now full-time, have kind of said there is a tipping point where you just kind of have to choose between one or the other. And I think for me it was quite easy because I just hated my job so much, um, Where I have, a lot, I have a lot of friends who love their job um, and blogging is just kind of an extra. Um, so for me it was just, well if I'm making this kind of money now, what could I do if I... Um, what would my life be like if I just put 100% of my time into this? So it was kind of an easy decision for me. Yeah,
3: definitely. Um, can we just talk about the fact that you have 195,000 followers on Instagram? I mean, that is... <laughs> it's just like completely and utterly crazy. Did you ever think when you started your Instagram accounts that it would sort of snowball to
4: this scale? No, I didn't. It was quite... It was quite um, it's quite scary actually because it happened um in in what felt like such a short space of time um and and it feels now that instagram's such a different place it's so hard to grow now and in fact um a lot of people including myself are actually losing followers at the minute um it's very very different now than it was back then so i am really thankful that i kind of it almost felt like I got on the last train <laughs> um, in terms of kind of growing on Instagram because um, it's such a different place now. But, yeah, it's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think about it too much.
3: I know. It's completely mad. Do you feel sort of like an immense pressure to kind of constantly post and kind of produce new content all the time? And also, you know, reply to people's messages because I'm because you're a fashion blogger. I'm guessing you get a lot of messages from people asking, yeah. you know, where you bought clothes and stuff like that. And it must get completely and utterly overwhelming.
4: It can do, yeah, Um, and I think definitely when I first started um, freelancing and working for myself and doing it all full time, I did feel a massive pressure to kind of reply to every message and reply to every comment and acknowledge everybody, Um, and you can't always do that, but I think... With the way that instagram's changed now, you can answer ten questions at once by doing something like an Instagram story and reply to people that way. I think as long as you're connecting with people in some way and you're not ignor people don't feel like they're being ignored, then it's not an issue i think I think people do understand that obviously you can't reply to everyone, especially when it's a million of the same questions yeah <laughs> um but yeah i I do feel pressure um and I don't like to ignore anyone um. I like to try and create a kind of sense of community as well. Um, Because obviously I wouldn't be doing what I was doing if it wasn't for the people following me. So you definitely have to put in that effort. It's part of the job.
3: So obviously your sort of whole career is kind of built around you being uh, sort of online all the time and having this online presence, you know, your Instagram account is is huge. You have so many followers, as we've already said, and your blog and stuff. But um, how do you find, you know, sort of having to be online sort of all the time?
4: Um, it's it's a lot of pressure, but I think it's more, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be online all the time, um, as long as you're kind of posting content weekly, daily, it doesn't necessarily, although it might look like you're online a lot of the time, um, there's so much time when I'm, you know, just writing uh, blog posts or replying to emails and I'm not necessarily kind of being active uh, on social media. Um, And I think that's definitely important because otherwise the lines become blurred (laughs) uh, between personal life and work, uh, which I definitely find difficult now, just being kind of over a year into freelancing. Uh, It is definitely difficult to switch off and know when you've done enough because you don't really have anybody there to tell you that. Like, oh, you finished your working day, now you can go home. (laughs) There's always something that you can be doing. Um, And I'm a bit of a workaholic, so I definitely find that. Find that aspect a bit difficult.
3: How do you manage that? Like, do you kind of set yourself a sort of deadline where you think, okay, you know, seven o'clock, I'm going to stop posting, I'm going to stop worrying about Instagram stories, I'm going to stop writing and stuff?
4: Yeah, well, as soon as Sam comes, Sam, my boyfriend, as soon as he comes through the door, I kind of think to myself, right, I I should switch off now. (laughs) Um, That's about. Uh, half six every day so I I try to say no longer than half seven if possible but again with the nature of the work you just don't know like sometimes you could get a job in that morning and it's a last minute thing and you've got to work on that or maybe you would be prepping for a shoot the next day and you need to stay up a bit later to organize that it's so last minute and it's so unpredictable that sometimes you can't really just have a routine it's just not really it's not really practical to have to have one.
3: And generally, I'd say, I mean, I don't know about you, but generally, I'd say the sort of Instagram and blogging community is generally like really lovely, you know, everyone's supporting each other and writing nice comments on people's pictures and, you know, sending nice messages and stuff like that. But obviously, um, it's a huge thing now that there are horrible, horrible people out there that, you know, uh, make it their aim in life to kind of take people yeah. down. And have you ever had any experience of, of that?
4: Um, I've, I've definitely had comments and things my way that are not nice or um, things that I've dwelled on for probably longer than I should have. But I think you just have to kind of really reinforce to yourself that those people aren't happy people to be doing that in the first place. Um, and a lot of it just comes from a place of them being insecure with their lives. Um, and I think because blogging and the kind of influencer industry or whatever, has become it's, it's a relatively new job. I think there's a lot of people who don't understand it and think it's just you taking selfies and getting paid for it. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't really understand that there's so much graft that goes in behind the kind of shiny Instagram page or whatever, and there's a lot of work behind it as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it can be difficult. When, uh,
3: when you say um, sort of negative comments, obviously you don't have to, like, disclose exactly what they said, but are these sort of, like, personal things,
4: like, about your appearance or...? Uh, no, I'm quite lucky in that respect, um, but I do have, I've, I've had the odd people, um, for a recent example, um, I posted a, pi- a picture of a book that I was reading, it's a famous piece of feminist literature, um, and somebody said that it wasn't right that I was posting it, because I was posting it for aesthetic purposes, rather than actually being interested in the book, Um <laughs> so what? That, that was it. I know, and, and that's just the type, that tends to be the type of thing that I get, um, which I prefer, because then at least I can have like a healthy debate with them, but and it's not just something nasty about my parents, but <laughs> it was just so bizarre to me, because... For one, I studied English literature at uni um, and I'd had that book since then. And two, the reason that I had the book out was because um, I write openly about my female health issues and stuff on my blog. And I was interested in writing something of my own one day. So I was kind of just trying to build up my um, research and stuff like that. And it was just there was so much that was going on behind the picture that they didn't realize. But they were just so quick to judge that. I'd done it for an aesthetic purpose, and I think that's the mindset that a lot of people have now on Instagram when they're looking at images that, that young women just have. We constantly are having to explain why we've taken a picture or why we're doing something. Um yeah, yeah, it, it seems it seems completely <laughs> bizarre. So yeah,
3: <laughs> no, it seems completely bizarre. Really, like having to justify why you've Instagrammed a certain picture when that person has sort of yeah. chosen to follow you. That's what I find so weird. It's sort of like, okay, if you've got an issue with this, then you know you don't have to follow me. Please just feel free to unfollow. Do you know what I mean? It seems really weird. Um, yeah, I
4: mean, on one hand, I could see where they were coming from because there, there probably are people out there that do do that, but you know, each to their own, at least, they're bringing light to a piece of literature that people might be interested in. But she was essentially saying that I can't show a book that I'm enjoying and that my followers might enjoy just for the fact that it's just for... to the content that's inside it and stuff I don't know it was just it was bizarre, it was
2: bizarre. <laughs> yeah very
3: strange um, so what about like you know when you go away and if you ever go on holiday because I personally find this really really difficult because obviously when you go on holiday there's a perfect opportunity to write a blog post about it do some lovely Instagrams in your lovely holiday location or whatever but also at the same time you're kind of like hang on though this is my break like this is my do you know what I mean this is some time off for me so how do you find that? um
4: I think uh, whenever people say this, I always I mean, say kind of how, how do you how do you manage your time and how do you manage to still have a personal life and stuff. I, I just kind of tell them that it's very much like a lifestyle for me, and I think it is for a lot of my friends that do it as well. And it's we do it because we enjoy it, um, and that has to be the driving force behind it all. Otherwise, um, I think it would send you crazy. <laughs> but um, I just I've always liked taking pictures, and I do that regardless. Um, I've always liked sharing on Instagram, and I did that way before it was even my kind of source of income. Um, so when I go on holiday, I just do what I would, what a normal 26-year-old would do, and I take pictures and I share stuff on Instagram. But I just don't put added pressure on myself to do anything. Yeah, I would consider inverted comments work. So anything kind of sponsored or anything like that, or where I'm gonna to have to haul a load of clothes with me just to shoot one picture. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything like that on a holiday. I'd just take pictures for my kind of leisure and share what I want for my kind of leisure.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course you obviously wrote a blog post about how important it is to have some time offline. <coughs> Are you quite disciplined with yourself in terms of having time offline?
4: I to think I am. Um, I think it's a lot easier because I'm not in London as well. Um, so it can feel a little bit more peaceful uh, in Manchester because there's, there's still stuff going on, but there's not. You know, whereas if I lived in London, you could be going to events every night of the week. Um, in Manchester, you can very much kind of cherry pick things. Um, and I'm very much a kind of I'm, I'm quite a personal person as well, so as much as I'll share stuff online and I'll share quite personal things, I like to have that time for myself and there's a lot that people don't know and don't see as well. So I think it's I think it's very important to have um, those two things.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, do you ever worry that having that sort of time offline will affect your kind of following on Instagram or your profile or your blog?
4: Yeah, I think there's always that worry that people would just um, stop being interested. <laughs> but I, th- I think the nature of the job is so unstable anyway. So I think it's so important to not put all your eggs into one basket and think this is my career forever now. There's so many transferable skills that you have, um, from blogging anyway. Um, so I'm just trying to, at the minute, focus on other things and, um, you know, I'd quite like to go into uh, writing. As I mentioned before, I'd really love to write um, a book one day um, and I'd really love to go into design as well or maybe even having my own vintage shop or something like that. So there's so many other things that I'm focused on as well. I, I try not to make blogging the kind of be-all be all and end-all of everything. Um, it's something that I enjoy and it's a hobby and it's my income. Um, but at the same time, I'm very aware that it, it could all end next week. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of... Kind of try to think about
3: it like that. Yeah, definitely. I do have this like lovely vision of you sort of going uh, to some sort of cabin in the woods somewhere and writing a book, you know, and having absolutely no internet, <laughs> yeah, and it'd just ideal. be like delightful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Although obviously not documented because having time offline. But yeah. <laughs> oh,
4: no, yeah. yeah. Just Instagram lives from yeah. my cabin. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Um, why do you think it's so important for for anyone to have some time offline? Because obviously for yourself, we've already mentioned, you know, your sort of whole career. In, in effect, is built on this sort of online presence and personality. Mm. Um, but you know, someone, someone like me, or maybe someone that's listening, that sort of finds that they have to sort of talk to their friends on WhatsApp every night. I mean, that's still a form of being online.
4: Yeah, um, and there is a massive pressure. I think just sometimes, I think we all we live in an age now where it feels impossible to live without a phone. Um, So you very much feel like your phone is an extension of you and you're constantly having to reply to people or post things. Um, And in the same instances, you know, a lot of people feel like they don't need to check up on people now because they see what you're doing online. And obviously that's a whole other issue in itself as well. Um, But I just think it's so important in terms of especially for someone like me who suffers with um, anxiety and low moods sometimes as well. Um, I've had depression in the past. So obviously all of that can be triggered by social media and what you see online. And I think it's so important as well if you are spending a lot of time online to follow accounts that kind of um, fulfill you and feed you in a positive way and not ones that trigger you and make you feel bad about yourself. Um, I always say this, you know, it's not not bad to unfollow people that that aren't kind of bringing something positive to your life. It's just your social media world can be a, or as big as, or as small as you want it to be. And I think that's the important thing to remember. Um, and it's also important to remember that it's not real life. <laughs> a lot of what you're seeing is just 10 seconds of someone's day or week. And um, it's important to not kind of get too caught up in that and compare yourself to what's essentially just a fraction of someone else's life
3: definitely we do tend to sort of portray the positive only don't we sort of as as a sort of yeah culture
4: yeah i think i think it's i think it's shifting a little bit now but i think um i I hope that in the future there'll be more people that share more kind of personal things um hopefully.
3: Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Alice, for talking to me today. It's been so interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you were absolutely amazing keeping up with the sort of constant posting and stuff. Because I think if I had the amount of followers that you had, I would just feel constantly like overwhelmed. I'd just be like, oh, my God, like, what do I do with all these people? Um, but honestly, if you don't follow Alice already, do follow her because she is absolutely gorge. And just post really Aww. cool like little <laughs> interior shots as well and cool pictures of Manchester. I just absolutely love it. So she is at Alice Catherine on Instagram. Thank you so much, Alice. Oh,
4: thank you for having me.
3: (laughs) Alice is really great to follow on Instagram because um, not only will she sort of post cool fashion blogger pics, which I absolutely love. She gives me so much outfit inspiration. She's very sort of vintage, which I love. Um, But also she'll sort of post about cool festivals that she's going to, you know, like she mentioned, books that she's reading and stuff, um, events that she's attending. And she's obviously got so many followers because she just, you know, comes across as being really like genuine and just herself. You know, she's not trying to be something she's not, which I very much admire. So um, yes, like I said, uh, do go and follow at Alice Catherine on Instagram. Now, unfortunately, I am not as glam as Alice, which is kind of a shame because um, with my kind of weird career choices and the world that I work in, I've always been told that it's really important for me to, in inverted commas, create a profile, uh, you know, so people know who I am, they know what I like, they know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And a part of creating a profile is uh, gaining a huge amount of Instagram and Twitter followers. So along with doing all the normal stuff I have to do with my job and my work, I also try really, really hard to kind of create content for Instagram, you know, blog as much as I can, tweet as regularly as I can, um, you know, do a podcast, all these sort of things. And I find it sometimes completely and utterly overwhelming. And I'm absolutely fine to admit that. Sometimes I just think, oh my God, what am I doing? Shall I just stop? Um, And I'm sure a lot of you feel exactly the same. You know, if you're a blogger, or maybe if you if you work in an environment where you have to be online a lot of the time, whatever it is you do, I'm sure that you've had times where you thought, oh my God, this is too much. I just want to kind of like go to bed, hide under the duvet and wake up in a world where there is no internet. And it is completely and utterly mad to think that when I was growing up, you know, the internet was really barely a thing. Like, I remember having a absolutely beautiful childhood, you know, running around the garden and sort of climbing trees and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, like making mud pies and just being outside so much. I'm sure, you know, obviously as technology started to come in, you know, we were playing computer games and I did spend a lot of time on MSN and all that sort of stuff. But it makes me really, really sad to think now that it is so ingrained into our culture and young children are being brought up into a world where it's second nature to grab your phone and message your friend, instead of, you know, popping around to see them or going to the park or whatever, which is what we used to do. Sorry, I feel like I'm sounding really kind of old, like a really old person now, but you know what I mean. A few years ago, we'd laugh about the fact that our parents didn't quite understand technology, they didn't get Facebook, you know, it was like a running joke, whatever. Now my mum and dad have both got iPhones, they're both completely on the whole WhatsApp hype, Instagram hype, the whole works. And sometimes we'll be sitting around the dinner table and all four of us, my sister, my mum, my dad and me, will, you know, not say a word to each other. It will be absolutely awful. And I realised this recently and realised quite how bad it was. And so I've really been trying to kind of like not do that so much and if I'm spending time with a family member not to be on my phone 24 7 and I'll get really cross with my mum she hates it but I'll get really cross with her I'll be like right mum no phones at the dinner table you know I've sort of made up this unofficial rule but there are times as well where you just want to completely cut off for a whole day so basically that's what I decided to do I went glamping on the Isle of Wight at this absolutely beautiful place called glamping the white way or oh, love the pun and just had a full 24 hours with no internet We've just arrived at Glamping the White Way um, on the Isle of Wight, obviously hence the White Way and um, it is absolutely beautiful here, it's sort of near Yarmouth if you know the Isle of Wight um, right by the River Yar which is absolutely lovely um, we're in a safari tent so if you can imagine a huge sort of structured uh, tent basically with a sort of beautiful decking out the front there's a swinging seat as well um, that I'm just going to sit on and just chill here for a bit and the reason I sort of wanted to come here was because because I do a blog and because I you know have an Instagram account and all of that sort of stuff recently I've just found that it's been completely and utterly overwhelming I'm constantly thinking about it I'm constantly worked up by it which is just ridiculous because it's you know really all it is is social media it's completely superficial Um, Obviously I need to do it to sort of promote my podcast and to promote my blog and promote uh, the radio show that I do and everything. But at the same time, it can be completely and utterly all-consuming. So I don't know, I just decided I wanted to have a bit of time, uh, 24 hours to be exact, um, of just not using any internet at all, not really using my phone, uh, putting it on flight mode and just getting away from it all. So I'm just going inside the safari tent now. And uh, we're just making a cup of tea, as you can hear. Um, <laughs> there's no um, electricity in here at all. There's no Wi-Fi. Um, there's no real means of light. Um, there are solar panels um on the site so you do get a little bit of lights so and we've got lanterns and stuff um but because the whole thing is made of wood we can't have candles so there's no kind of naked flames um there's no central heating so we've got um two little wood burners one in the bathroom i'm just coming in here now and um, one in the bathroom um to heat the water so we can shower and everything Um, and uh, one in the sort of kitchen living space area so that we don't freeze there's sort of you know, faux fur throws everywhere Um, I was just speaking to Sarah who owns it and she says a lot of the wood um, actually comes from her garden which is really really lovely she set this up as a sort of project Um, her and her husband wanted to kind of get away from it all themselves so um, I thought it would be the perfect place to get away from it too okay so um we've settled in to glamping the white way now i've had a cup of tea i've done my instagram story so everyone can see how beautiful it is and i'm finally ready to go completely offline for 24 hours um you know not look at twitter not look at facebook not you know worry about how many instagram likes i'm getting or whatever um so yeah i'm really excited about it i just can't wait for a full day of just looking at the world with my eyes i know that sounds so stupid but i tend to kind of just look at everything through a screen you know i'm constantly taking photos and doing little videos and stuff and it'll be so nice just to not do that and kind of just you know make the most of every moment and not have to document it so um right i'm ready i'm gonna put my phone on flight mode and leave it that way for a good 24 hours i'm gonna shove it under a book somewhere so i don't touch it at all right so here we go three two one flight mode engaged Yay! I'm so excited to not have to refresh my emails every five seconds. Um, Okay, well, let's see how this goes. I've just woken up from my uh, nap. It's uh, about half six. Um, And it's sort of really weird because obviously the first thing you go to do, which is a terrible habit, but still the first thing you go to do when you've woken up is to reach for your phone and, you know, check your texts and check to see if anyone's called you or whatever. And obviously I can't do that. So so it is a bit weird. I sort of feel a bit lost. Because we're sort of in the middle of nowhere as well, which is absolutely beautiful. I do feel very cut off. And, you know, I'm sort of thinking, oh, has any breaking news happened? We're so reliant on checking Twitter and, you know, news apps and stuff for anything that's going on. So um, anyway, I'm sure this is just because I've woken up. So I feel a bit disorientated. I need to have a cup of tea, basically. About halfway now through um, being offline. I'm really enjoying it. It's really nice. It's so lovely not to uh, worry about the stresses of, um, you know, have I checked Twitter today and who's done a tweet and am I doing a blogger follow train or um, who's watched my story or who's screenshotting my story on Instagram and all this sort of stuff. I just feel sort of more relaxed, uh, my boyfriend however not enjoying it as much as I am. Um, every single weekend he has like the Times app on his phone, and like the newspaper. And he will read it cover to cover every single evening um, on a Saturday, which is when all the new articles come out. And it does my head in. Um, Obviously, it doesn't really. But occasionally, you know, if we're spending time together or whatever, and he's just absolutely glued to it. I'm like, for God's sake, just put your phone down, blah, blah, blah. Especially if we're, you know, out for dinner or something. Um, So... This weekend he's actually bought a physical newspaper for I think the first time ever and um, he was moaning about it earlier saying that he was trying to read an article on sort of page 3 and then it said continue on page 12 and by the time he got to page 12 he'd forgotten what the end of the article was saying on page 3 so he had to go back to page 3. Um, so I guess there are disadvantages as well. Good morning. Um, I've just woken up from a fabulous night at Glumping the White Way. Sorry, I'm sort of being a bit quiet because my boyfriend's still asleep, but um, I've just crept outside. Honestly, there is something so wonderful about being in such a beautiful place and making the most of it. And I know that sounds really stupid, but, you know, normally, the first thing I do when I wake up is probably sit in bed with a cup of tea. Make myself a cup of tea, obviously. Sit in bed for, I don't know,
2: an hour or something
3: and just scroll through Instagram willy nilly, you know, check Twitter, see what's been going on and, you know, usually it's not that much. It's so, so nice. Just like sitting and stopping and taking in like everything around me. Yeah, it's probably a bit of a cliche, but I feel so much more relaxed. I feel like there's no pressure to be constantly having to do something online, like constantly having to tweet about something or constantly having to, you know, put up another Instagram post or whatever because I know that I can't because I'm offline. And it kind of makes me think I really should do this more, you know, like I really should make the most of, like, my garden at my grandpa's house. It's just so lovely, really. By the way, um, last night I promised my boyfriend I would be um, completely offline in terms of like I wouldn't even do any recordings um, because obviously as much as I'm completely offline in the sense that I'm not on any Wi-Fi, I haven't got my data on, I'm not checking social media, I'm still using means to record the podcast I thought you know what we'll have an evening off from it so um, we actually had such a nice time and uh, we just played cards the whole evening and it's always been this running joke that I hate cards I find them so boring like when you know you're at the airport and with a group of friends and they're like oh let's all play cards I'm always like oh god like I hate cards Um, and it was actually so nice like we just drank loads of wine and we had um, a little solar lantern thing so we're playing by like lantern light if you will and it was just so nice to actually spend some time together and kind of not um, just be in the same room together but not even talking, which is what we'd normally be doing if we were just sat there on our phones or whatever. Sarah, it's so lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for having us at um, Glamping the White Way. You're welcome. Um, It's so beautiful here. We're loving it. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about
2: why you sort of decided to set it all up? Well, we came from the city, came from Portsmouth, and we moved over to the island just for a, a lifestyle change, really. Two young boys wanted to you know, grow up, we wanted them to grow up in a countryside environment, um, which is what we had. And then as they got older, I thought, well, I need something to occupy myself, and um, really liked the idea of a small rural business. Um, and we quite like glamping, not really big campers, but uh, <laughs> glamping appealed to us, and so we'd visited a few and just thought we could do this on the isle of wight there was a definitely a gap in the market over here um there's some glamping options quite a few really good quality ones but nothing that, that you know like what we wanted to to offer
3: and um, am I right in thinking that we're completely off grid here i mean obviously i've just spent the night here and uh last night obviously 10 11 o'clock it was completely pitch black i know it's great and <laughs> it? yeah. no street lights
2: <laughs> uh, um we're virtually off-grid. When I say that, we have we have got septic tank, so you've got flushing toilets. Um, so some GLAMP sites have composting toilets, which, you know, really is off-grid, but we don't. So. But other than that, yep, the gas is from gas bottles. The lights are powered from the solar uh, panels that charge up uh, the bank here. The water and the cooking and heating is all from the wood burners. Um, yes, no street lighting, nothing to... No no Wi-Fi. Um, But it's amazing how you manage and you get along and adapt, don't you? Yeah, Yeah.
3: well, of course. I mean, obviously, you know that the reason um, we've come here is to have a full sort of break, being completely offline, that we haven't used any internet or any Wi-Fi. Well, obviously, because there isn't any Wi-Fi. (laughs) We um, we haven't used any any data or anything. Why is it such a great place to come to if you want
2: to have that whole
3: complete break away from your normal, hectic life?
2: I think because... The location that we, where you know where we are here in Yarmouth, we've got beautiful views across the river and to countryside. So immediately it heightens your senses. You just think, crumbs, look at all of this beauty, natural beauty, and the sounds, and you suddenly engage again with wildlife and the pheasants, and the, you know, and you think, crumbs, you don't notice that so much when you're online. So switching yourself off, you're kind of reconnecting with the real world, um, and I think it's to be, able, to be able to do that for a short break is an incredible. Uh, it's nurturing, you know, and also remind you what the real world is all about. And then you can go back to your online world. Um, you've got the best best, best of both worlds. How about yourself personally? Obviously, because you run a business, I assume you're constantly having
3: to check emails, uh, run the Twitter account and all that sort of thing. But do you ever get to a stage
2: yourself where you're like, oh, I just want to break from it all? Absolutely. We have to be online Um, So, yeah, we have instant, Insta, Twitter and Facebook and and, obviously our website and what have you. And I do have to manage that, but I try and keep it just to the the right point. So I'm doing enough to be out there for our customers, but um, I have to stop myself from doing it. It's so easy to do it um, 24-7. I don't want to bombard people too much. I think people do find they're being bombarded left, right and centre. So there's a fine line. There is a balance to try and find there. People want enough information to make a decision themselves, um, but I don't want to do too much of it myself. I find it becomes a bit of a stress. It's another list, another thing on my list of things to do, and it so should be should be expressing fun and nice things and positive things, not look like it's just. A, you know, a corporate message.
3: Well, it's so. difficult, isn't it? I mean, because I find that myself in a, in a different way. Yeah. I and mean, obviously, I haven't necessarily got a product to sell, but I am sort of selling what I do. So, you know, having the constant pressure of oh i need to do an instagram today i haven't done a haven't done a tweet today you know i haven't done a facebook post it's sort of constantly at the back of your mind isn't it and sometimes you need to just think oh like what does it really matter obviously it's different for your business because you are you know it is your living and everything Mm. but you do just need to sometimes think right i'm just going (laughs) to stop have a break away and what about
2: when you go on holiday we try really hard not to do too much of that i think it You know, you really have to strike a balance. You've you've got to do some of it, but not too much of it. When we go on holiday, we pare that down a little bit. I have my phone on, and I'll probably check things, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, and then it will go off, because that gives my brain a rest. Um, Otherwise, if you're connected continually, you're not allowing yourself time to to relax. I think we've got to be kind to ourselves, Um, and that includes having time offline. Mm. Definitely, well um, as you can see we've had the
3: best time I mean I'm sat here in my pyjamas <laughs> with a cup of tea So I've definitely very um, <laughs> <comfortable>. <laughs> I've definitely relaxed yeah. and had a break away from it all So thank you so so much You're welcome So it's now um, 4 o'clock The next day, I've had a full 24 hours Offline, it has been wonderful Sorry I'm just doing the washing up Because we've got to leave glamping the right way now It's been so lovely just not to have to think about checking my emails. Because I'm the sort of person that, I just check my emails constantly, even at the weekend. It's just so ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what I'm expecting to get on like a Saturday evening or Sunday afternoon. I'm just constantly paranoid something's gonna come up that I really need to know about, (laughs) even though I'm not at work and stuff. Anyway, full 24 hours has happened. I'm about to come back online, Uh, see what happens. Right, here we go, turning off flight mode. There we go. So I've just gone back on, my 4G's back on. And I have 48 WhatsApps, four text messages. Oh gosh, over 100 Instagrams, uh, 11 Facebook. It's just a bit overwhelming, (laughs) the thought of having to check it all. I guess like if you weren't going offline, obviously you'd be checking it as you go. But just to think of all of that in 24 hours that I normally have to deal with is just so stressful. So I'm absolutely gutted because uh, we have to leave glamping the white way now, which I'm really sad about because I've had the most wonderful, wonderful time here. Um, It has been absolutely glorious having a whole day completely offline, not worrying about that side of things at all. Um, Sorry, I'm just like packing up as we sort of go, really. I definitely feel like I don't need to rely on my phone as much as I have been doing. I mean, you know, a phone was introduced into modern life as a useful means of contacting people in an emergency uh, not necessarily something that should entertain us constantly and uh, be a distraction for us constantly so um, I'm definitely going to stop checking my emails sort of 24 7 and make a point of only looking at them really when I'm at work in the week which is when I need to look at them Obviously, there are some disadvantages as well. Um, I wouldn't necessarily like to be sort of permanently offline just because of the fear of something happening within my family that I need to know about or, you know, something like that. But I am definitely going to try and incorporate more offline-ness, if you will, uh, into my everyday life. So, yeah. But I feel very, very refreshed, super relaxed, super chilled out, less anxious, less stressed. And yeah, I can't wait to experiment really and see um, how much of this experience I'll take into my everyday life of being constantly online. So uh, watch this space, guys. Um, right, we've got to leave now. I'm absolutely heartbroken. by gunting the White Way. If, like me, you're super, super keen to get away from it all and have a bit of time offline... I would highly advise you go to Glamping the White Way. It is absolutely beautiful. Obviously, having no electricity and stuff, you have that full experience of kind of being immersed in nature. It's in a really beautiful position and fun because it's on the Isle of Wight. So you get to go over on a boat. But having 24 hours offline is one thing. Having six months offline is a whole new experience. And that is what Susan Mousehart did with her family in Australia. Susan joins us now from Perth. Susan, hello. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
1: Very well, thanks.
3: Good. Um, so you have had some considerable experience of being offline. So tell me about that.
1: Yes. Well, we, myself and, and my three kids, who were teenagers at the time, were kind of digital detox pioneers. So we did an experiment way back in the, the gloom of 2009, when the iPhone was very young um, and the internet was a little bit older. And the experiment involved taking all of my children and myself offline for six months. Um, We were entirely screen free and that included, you know, television and computers and gaming consoles and the whole kit and caboodle. because I wanted to see what life would be like if we lived in a foreign country. Oh, my
3: gosh, that is absolutely amazing. Quite a challenge, I would say as well. Um, What was it that made you decide to do it suddenly?
1: Well, it was something, you know, like it was something that crept up slowly over time. And I think probably a lot of parents can relate to this because we are living at a time when you know the norms and the technologies are changing so rapidly and you don't necessarily have a to- to have time to get your your head around it and to be making conscious choices because things are just like coming at you from all angles and that's certainly where we were at in 2009 and it's even worse today so I actually am, by training and profession, a media ecologist, so I'm a specialist in the creation of media environments. So of all people, you think I might have been a little bit more aware of what was going on under my own roof, but as I say, the... It, it all sort of crept up on me at the same time that my kids were entering their teenage years. So this was sort of in the crossover time from MySpace to Facebook, if that places it in time. Um, my kids were on instant messenger, YouTube, you know, was a very big deal, perhaps not quite as big as it is today. Uh, online shopping, um, you know, suddenly I found that my kids being early adopters like myself, were were living their lives substantially online. And I felt like I had never said that was okay. Like, I never even realized that, that was happening. And I kind of almost had a, a, a wake up experience, you know, like coming home from work and saying hi to my kids and just like seeing the backs of their heads, you know, like nobody. Nobody could even hear what I was saying because they were plugged into their laptops or their phones or their games. And um, I kind of made a spur-of-the-moment decision in a way, even though it was something I had fantasized about forever, uh, because I just thought to myself, and I, I believe I said aloud, what would our lives be like without all this stuff, without all these screens? Who would we be? And, and nobody answered me because you know, they were too busy you know, being stuck to their screens. So <laughs> sort of ironic, isn't
3: it?
1: <laughs> it was.
3: Um, so how did your children take it when you said, look, guys, you know, I've had an idea. We're going to come completely offline for six months because I can imagine if, you know, if that were me when I was 15 and my mum decided that I would have probably thrown an absolutely massive tantrum sort of, you know, thinking, oh, well, I'm never going to be able to chat to my friends on MSN Messenger or whatever anymore.
1: Yep that was that was the platform of choice too Emma. Um, yeah that's an excellent question but and the answer is they didn't believe me. So they didn't I didn't get kicked back at first because they thought it was just another of my empty threats which I'm sorry to say I was full of, you know, like you're you're grounded for life. That's it. You know, you're never (laughs) leaving this house again. So when I said this, they were like, oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, okay, whatever. And I told them that we were going to start our detox, as I called it, which was then an unfamiliar term, by actually switching off all the electricity in the house for two weeks as a kind of boot camp experience. Um, it wasn't until I actually like flipped the switch that turned off all the electricity in our house that they realized that I was a hundred percent serious and i started collecting up all our devices including my own i think the the subtitle of the book that i wrote about the experiences refers to a mother who slept with her iphone which you know so many of us still do right anyway um yeah gathered them all up my son helped me round up the televisions and in a wheelbarrow and take them off to the shed and then they knew that it was on for young and old but i did I have to be honest, I did also bribe them.
3: You did? Oh, Susan, what did you do?
1: Okay, so I'm a journalist, I'm an author, I've written a bunch of books. I did have the idea right from the get-go that not only would this be an amazing thing for our family, but if we were able to go the distance, it could make a fun and instructive book. So what I said to the kids was, look, I'm going to I'm going to see if I can write a book based on our experience but I can tell you right now if we don't do this 100% to the letter it's never going to fly there will be no book I will cut you in on the deal to the extent of a certain sum of money for each child if I manage to sell the book again won't sell the book unless you're true to the deal oh. so uh, and my son at that point was saving to buy a scooter. And so I asked him to look up the price of the scooter and said, okay, that's what, that's the sum that each of you will get if you go the distance. And it was kind of, it, you know, it was really useful in the early stages because the, the kids would police one another. And if somebody looked like they were verging on like cheating, like by going out and sitting on the curb so they could catch the Wi-Fi signal from next door, which was attempted a couple of times (laughs) someone would say hey don't don't you want your money don't you you know you're going to ruin it for all of us get back in here So it was good, you know, like it was, I have to be honest, you know, I did, I did offer cash bribe, but it was a small price to pay, Emma, a very small price to pay. I know what I was going to say.
3: Yeah, for six months, I'm not even sure I would take a cash bribe. I think it would have to be a considerable amount of money, you know, the amount we rely on technology and stuff today. Um, Did you sort of worry that your children were going to miss out on quite a big part of sort of you know, youth culture today, you know, when they went to school and stuff, if the other kids were like, oh, did you see this on telly last night, that was going to affect them? No. (laughs) In a
1: word. (laughs) In a word, no, I didn't worry about that at all. Although other parents told me that I ought to worry about it. But I was pretty sure that these Uh, You know, aspects of popular culture saturate our world to such an extent that it almost doesn't matter whether you've seen the show or not, or you've looked at the Instagram. It's like so much in the air. All you have to do is listen to your friends and, you know, you can fake it if need be. But also, it's important to understand that our experiment only covered uh, the use of technology under our roof. So, for example, my youngest daughter at the time was at a school which had a one-to-one laptop program. She had a MacBook that she used at school, but she wasn't allowed to use it at home, whether connected to the Internet or not. So, and, and the other children, too, if they, if, you know, if they went to a friend's house to play, they weren't forbidden from watching TV. I mean, that would have been interesting, but there's no way I could have policed that. So um, so they weren't, enti- you know, you can never be entirely cut off from what's going on in popular culture. They certainly weren't. And we were allowed to listen to good old terrestrial radio. So there was always that.
3: Oh, that's lovely. I mean, that is my main job in my, my day job as a radio presenter. And I always get sad that radio is dying and stuff. So that's really nice. Um, uh, I guess the big question is, how did you and your children sort of find the whole six months?
1: Well, look, it was really pretty amazing. I mean, it was, we had our rough moments to start and the kids were pretty resentful at the beginning, but really that stage was quickly overtaken by what was probably the best six months of our family's life. And my kids agree with me. Now, I told you before we started this that I found that I've got three grandchildren all of a sudden, so my kids have moved on considerably in life since 2009, but um, to a man or woman, they would tell you that it was a life-changing experience, that it was, it was more fun to be living without technology and exploring the other things that life had to offer. I mean, would it have been fun for all eternity? No, but it was. It was like it was a bit like traveling to another country. It was like living, you know, living in France for six months. Like you don't have access to the things you have access to at home, but there's so much more. So, yeah. so many different things that you can try, that you can sample, and you know, new talents that you can indulge. You know, my son, for example, who was a heavy-duty gamer, he was 15, 16 at the time of the experiment, spent, you know, like four to six hours every day on World of Warcraft. In sheer desperation, he, you know, rooted through his, his toy cupboard and found his old saxophone at the bottom of it, and the saxophone became his new obsession. And so instead of... It took a few weeks to take hold, but instead of sinking all those hours into playing his game, he started to sink hours and hours into playing his saxophone, and that changed his friendship group, and it changed his life. I mean, he still gigs as a professional musician today. Um, he studied, you know, music for a tertiary qualification, you know, and the, probably the. The most poignant moment of the whole experiment for me was the day he said, you know, kind of casually to me, you know, I keep thinking, what if I had all those hours back that I spent on that stupid game and I had spent them practicing instead? How good would I be right now?
3: Yeah, that's really moving, actually. And I often think mm. that as well. And I know it's awfully bleak and depressing to think about it. But I often think, you know, when I'm lying on my deathbed, um, will mm. I sort of think of all those happy memories I spent trying to get Instagram likes? Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of, It sounds completely <laughs> bonkers, I but I sort of think I'm never going to get that time back. I've, I've sat with my boyfriend and we haven't spoken a word to each other in an hour because we've just been looking at our phones. And, you know, that's <laughs> something I'm not going to remember and look back fondly on. Do you know what I mean? When I'm sort of at that crucial point where my life is over so um yeah that's really quite moving
1: yeah and I totally know what you mean and and in all kinds of ways um experiences like that were um were felt by the other children as well I mean uh, my youngest daughter her story was all about really about sleep debt, like I had been completely unaware of how much she had been using her school laptop, which was a very sophisticated piece of machinery, basically all through the night, you know, to communicate with her friends, to Skype, and it was kind of before Instagram and Snapchat and all that, but still there were plenty of platforms where you could uh, be online all night, and she evidently was. She she slept almost around the clock apart from the time that she was at school for the first several weeks. And when she awoke from that slumber, she was, you know, like temperamentally, she was a different kid. Really? She, you know, so, yeah, so much of her, you know, crummy behavior I'd put down to, oh, she's a teenage girl, you know, she's 14 at the time, she's hormonal, blah, blah, blah. But in fact, I discovered, kind of to my horror, but also to my relief and gratification, that she was, she was a sleep-deprived child, you know, that, that she was using technology um, as a way to, you know, keep herself awake all night, and once she'd repaid the sleep debt, she had energy, she had a better attitude about everything, she, st- she started spontaneously cleaning her room. Now, parents will not believe this, but it is true. She attacked the floor drogue. And when I asked her, you know, what the hell are you doing? She said, well, what else am I going to do? <laughs>
3: That's quite a good test then, isn't it? <laughs> right,
1: right. Oh,
3: my gosh, how funny. Um, so on the flip side, then, obviously, after the six months, the idea was to go back online how did you find (laughs) that transition from you know being completely technology free for six months to then suddenly having it all back in your lives again
1: well it was pretty euphoric to be honest I mean (laughs) we were so when we switched everything back on we had a huge party that started on the stroke of midnight on the 4th of July Independence Day and it, it was it was like Christmas morning honestly just overwhelmed with excitement and joy to realize that we had access to all this content that we'd really missed. I mean, a a long winter without even so much as a little DVD to to keep you warm was, you know, that was hard. So we, uh, you know, we'd spent the week before selecting what movies we were going to watch to begin, and everybody sat around, we made popcorn, and yeah, it was really fun, and I, you know, we all miss different things, like I really missed my podcasts, because that was my business as well, and um, I miss the movies, and the kids miss their, you know, messaging platforms, and uh, it was, it was lovely, it was like a coming home experience, to be honest. So it took a little while, I think, for us to process what exactly had happened, and for any longer term effects to be felt because frankly in the short term we were just right straight back into it.
3: Yeah, it must have been a completely sort of bizarre experience really. And did you take anything from that experience that you now have adopted into your everyday life?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, again, because this is, it's kind of my business. I have a PhD in media ecology. So it's my business to think about how media environments are created and how they shape our perceptions of the world and how we interact in the world. So I've always kind of kept myself under a, a firm lock and key in some respects. I mean, I've gotten way out of hand with my iPhone use. And, you know, and sometimes I still do, but I, I have my lines in the sand. Um, ironically, uh, I do professionally manage a very large... Facebook page for the business I work for but personally I don't indulge in Facebook at all. I mean I have a Facebook page but I never darken its door and I don't know three-quarters of the people who are on it. So my thing is I don't really do social media. I'll look at Twitter, like I don't, maybe I have Instagram but I never go, you know, so I've divided up my digital world in certain ways that make sense for me. Um, you know, like I love my Kindle, so that's a digital device. But um, I, I try to privilege, you know, reading over, you know, watching television, which is something that I've always done. My kids have, you know, to greater and lesser degrees, they've carried over the lessons of the experiment too. I mean, my son has spent long periods of time, like years, working in remote locations where there is no connection at all. And he's perfectly happy with that. And just this a few weeks ago, we, we went to New York to a sort of country house that I have there. And um, I reminded him, you know, that there's no internet on there, honey. So I don't know what you want to do about loading up data on a SIM card. And he was like, why would I do that? We don't need internet. We're in the country. Why do we need the internet? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <But> clearly the <laughs> and, experiment paid off then. But. You know, my youngest daughter is a social media manager, so social media is absolutely her bag. Um, and she's online, you know, for a living. And my eldest daughter is a journalist, and um, she is an enthusiastic user of the Moments app, which tracks, you know, the amount of time she spends on her phone. I mean, it's part of our it's part of our DNA now as a family. Like. You know, like it it doesn't even need to be spoken about. We get it. And we're very, now with the new generation coming online, um, uh, we're all sort of guarding those children with our lives um, to keep them, you know, as screen free as they can possibly be for as long as they can possibly be.
3: Of course. Well, Susan, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. It's um, sort of inspired me to get my violin out, like your son and his saxophone. Um, and of course, um, <laughs> I have one of those too. Right? Really? We've all got a dusty old <laughs> instrument, haven't we, in the garage or something. Um, oh, yeah. uh, of course, if you want to find out more about Susan's um, sort of dramatic period offline, then you can uh, buy her book now. It's called The Winter of Our Disconnect, which is available to buy. Thank you so much, Susan.
1: Thanks, Emma. It's a pleasure.
3: It does make you think, guys, doesn't it? It does make you think. I mean, really, Susan and her family had absolutely no negative experiences. I mean, it sounded all round like a, like a wonderful thing to do. Um, and yeah, okay, maybe a bit extreme and not the sort of average thing a sort of mother of teenagers would do, but also brilliance. Like, so lovely that her son managed to pick up his saxophone again and that her daughter, you know, managed to sleep a lot better. It does make you think that... If we were to add up all the time we spend on our phone or on a screen, added it all up and kind of use that time instead to do something productive, we really could make such a difference in the world. Like we could, you know, learn a new skill or um, spend a lot more time with the people we love. And yeah, okay, we can never go back to a world where technology didn't exist. But we have to remember that we chose technology. It didn't choose us. We don't have to use it if we don't want to. And, you know, if it is really affecting your mental health or it is really stressing you out, don't use it, you know, put it aside for half a day. It's in your control and in your power to switch your phone off for an evening or, you know, close your laptop lid and get a book out and sit in bed and read that or, you know, go for a walk and chill in the park. You can do that. And I think we all become so consumed because it's what everyone else is doing and it seems like the norm. But it's really important as individuals to step away from that and actually have a bit of time away, whether that's, you know, on your own or with someone else, with a group of friends, you know, kind of try a little social experiment, I guess, and see what you do. It's kind of interesting interesting and sort of fun really maybe you end up you know uh with your group of friends having absolutely nothing to talk about because all you talked about was instagram that would be weird wouldn't it and also kind of a bit i don't know sad. But there you go. Um, That's what it's all about. Apart from anything else as well, I think like Alice said right at the beginning, it is so, so important for your mental health. Scrolling through Instagram and seeing hundreds of pictures of many attractive women in bikinis looking super skinny like all they've eaten is kale for their whole lives is not good for us, especially when we're sitting there, um, you know, eating a massive bag of Doritos, watching Love Island, being miserable about a boy who hasn't texted us back. Anyway, I truly think it is good for the soul, it is good for your relationships with other people, it's good for your mind. Um, it's just all round a wholesome, good experience. And if you haven't tried it yet, I would highly recommend it. I'd love to know how you get on as well, obviously. So please do tweet me at MJ Real Davis, E-M-J-O-R-E-A-L Davis with an E. And you can email the female struggle at gmail. Com. Right, everybody, enjoy your offline time. I am going to switch my phone off now and go and chill in the garden. Goodbye.